All right. Hello, everybody. This is Matt Ryan. Uh, I have a special guest with me here on All Roads Lead to Real Estate podcast. And uh, this young man, his name is Scott Carson, and he is uh, a buyer specialist with me. He works with me every day. So we get to see each other and do our thing. And I thank you so much for joining me on this episode as we discuss a couple different things, a few of which you're not even aware we're about to discuss. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I look forward to it. Yeah, so thanks for joining us. And so I wanted to ask Scott to join me today because he is a man that understands lead generation, lead follow up. And I recently attended a very valuable um, event that we talked about all these different trends in real estate, the market that we're experiencing. And so this this episode is really designed really around the real estate agent. Not all of them are. This one is. Um, however, if you are just a consumer in the market, you might be interested by this because it's a perspective I don't think I hear very often anywhere. And so I want to bring up and have a conversation um, about what's going on out there. So Scott, are you up for that? I am. So, um, and this, this idea literally came about today. And so I was going to have a conversation and share all these details about what I just learned and have a conversation about the real world impacts of this current market and the struggles. And it's a little bit scary, um, a little overwhelming. And so instead of doing this privately in our office, we're going to do it and record it. Why not? Right? Right. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's, let's make the most of it. And I think the content itself is really uh, fascinating. So uh, before I dive into it, just to add a little bit of context, if you will, to uh, who you are and what you do, um, just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of share your experiences, um, what you've done prior to real estate and what you're doing now. Sure. I've been in real estate for a few years now. Uh, started off uh, in the hospitality world. I was in the hospitality industry for a long time and uh, just kind of made the natural transition over. Met someone um, that was uh, higher up into the hospital in, in the hospitality world and introduced me to a real estate person. And that's kind of how I came into it. So you came into it like many people do. Um, you know, most of us had this as a second or third career. Mm -hmm. And so um, I started really young. I was in like 21 when I got licensed, but that's rare. Um, you started in, like you said, in management and you started managing different restaurants and mm -hmm. nightclubs. And nightclubs. Like you've had some wild experiences you share with me about some crazy things about going to the hospital and just you've had some wild experiences in those environments. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, ever evolving. It's you know, whenever, you know, those type of situations are people just act different. So. Oh, yeah. Well, so do our clients. Of Welcome course. to real estate. So yeah. we deal with everybody um, and we get every walk of life, right? Yeah. I mean, it's whenever you take someone out of their comfort zone, going out is taking someone out of their comfort zone. You know, buying something in real estate is taking people out of their comfort zone. So that's right. So you used to manage folks. Um, that was a big part of your job, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of folks I had at any point in time, I could have a couple hundred employees at a time. Yeah, that's wild. So now you go to kind of managing yourself and your day to day because, you know, you are self-employed. You're an independent contractor. You, you know, you hustle. That's kind of that's kind of what you do. You're on the grind. Um, and now more than ever, the hardest person to manage, right? Yourself. It's the worst. I am my worst employee. <laughs> and these are facts. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um, yeah. So you are uniquely qualified to have this discussion uh, and you'll understand more and more as we get into it. But we are entering a market, and by say when I say enter, so if you're a real estate agent, hopefully you understand this, we go through cycles, and consumers understand it, economists understand this. We go through cycles, it is normal. Um, we're gonna go through cycles where the market is up, 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 up. Everything's amazing, everyone's living their best life. 
you're buying the boats and the cars and people are feel like, oh my God, every realtor I know is doing so well, they're crushing it. And then that's part of a cycle. And then it, you can go to the flip side where it looks like the world is burning, that, you know, Rome is burning and everyone's running the other direction. <laughs> and to think that you can have one without eventually seeing the other is kind of like saying, oh my God, December 25th is coming. Oh my God, that's when Christmas is. Like again this year on December 25th. Right. It's going to happen. And so people forget that. Um, oftentimes people forget that what we do as realtors, it's work. It's a J-O-B, mm -hmm. um, as I continuously am reminded. And so uh, we have entered a period where the best of the best times are behind us. It's not, a, I wonder when it's going to happen. It's happened. So if you're still individually as an agent killing it and you're like, man, times are still great. Remember, you're an individual or you're part of a team. It's a small little fraction of a larger puzzle. Right. And so you could be killing it, but the reality is a lot of people are struggling. And so if you start looking more nationally, if you zoom out a little bit, you see what the bigger picture is and it's going to reshape the industry like it always does. Um, but we're adding technology. We're adding all these other pieces that weren't present the last time this has shifted. Yeah. And so now you'll have artificial intelligence. You're going to have so many things come in that are going to add disruptions during this crazy downturn. And so what I wanted to share some of these additional facts and things so people can know is during the peak. So you can kind of realize nationally how many homes are going to sell. And so, Scott, I don't know if this is something off the tip of your tongue, but it's usually upper 6 million range, 6.6 .6 to 6.9 million homes sold in this country when the best of times happen, mm -hmm. regardless of the the decade, basically. The best of times, that's about the peak. And then the trough at the bottom is down to around 4.3 million. Oh, wow. So even when it's 18% interest rates, you're going to still, which we've seen in this country, you're still going to sell over $4 million or 4 million units throughout this country. Mm -hmm. And it's been historically proven over and over and over again, that's really the bottom and the, and the peak. And in, in this country, we just hit over 7 million this past year. Oh, wow. So it's a tremendous amount of homes, um, really record breaking. And so we are now on track to do 4 million. We're on pace. Oh, wow. So what, I mean, and that happened in six months. So if you haven't felt this effect yet, and I know you and I have talked about it personally, we feel it. Oh, yeah. And you can tell the difference uh, and we can get into the whys behind that in a moment. But just know that we are now pacing to in a six month. Normally it takes a year or two. Mm -hmm. It's a huge turnaround. It's very sharp. It's a, it's a cliff, not a gradual decline. And so you're going to see that shift. And so what we'll see is it's, it's going to affect people in ways that they never projected. For example, agent count, the number of us that are around, trails by about 12 to 18 months on average. So when we hit these bottoms 12 months later, not right away, but on average 12 months later, you're gonna see agent count follow that line and go way down. Right. So Scott, what basically we're going through right now is we still have all the agents from the peak market, mm -hmm. the highest in recorded US history. That's how many agents are currently still licensed in this country, highest ever, while we are now pacing to be at the bottom of the trough. So you're going to see a lag. So all of our fellow realtors that don't have the habits, the structure, and the processes involved to continue doing this, they're going to basically be gone. We're projected to lose ever, you know, what depends on who you listen to, but hundreds and hundreds of thousands of agents in the next 12 months. Yeah. I've, I've read that that's already started. It's already started. Oh, I mean, yes. People are leaving the industry quickly. 
And, you know, from your perspective, I must say you weren't able to make it to the event. Why, from your perspective, do you think that happens? Well, I mean, it's just harder right now, right? It's when when interest rates were an all-time record low over the past few years, like they had been. Um, everyone, you know, heard what you were talking about earlier, all these, you know, agents buying houses, agents buying boats, you know, it was the glamour life, right? Um, and how easy it was. Yeah, they couldn't keep up. Their phone just kept ringing. Um, and right now, it's my belief that people's phones have stopped ringing. Um, That's so right. it's, it's a little tougher right now. So it's all of a sudden people that, you know, I know friends that are newly graduating college, all this other stuff that are going right into the home buying process aren't doing that right now. Yeah. And another way to put it is that what you're describing is like we become service oriented as, and as opposed to prospecting based. And so when the good times are here, people just call and say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to sell or ready to buy. And you don't have to work as hard. You right. just service them. And by the way, servicing in this business is fun. Like that is the fun part because most of us like helping people. We we love either the sale process. We love the act of selling, mm-hmm. not necessarily the process to get the act started. Right. And so another way to put that is that during the best of times, a lot of bad habits begin. And then depending on when you started in the business, if you started during the best of times, those bad habits are all you know. Mm. You don't know what good habits are. You know, when you're young and you're fit by accident and you look, you have a six pack and you've never worked out or done a crunch. It's really challenging when things shift and you get to our age, right? We're the same age and you realize, oh my God, I got to work to look decent now. It's Mm -hmm. like a whole different world. Um, I kind of think that's the similar way in terms of habits that a lot of agents and they've just started and they're going to either have to change and develop those habits or they're gone. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that probably has to do with with the mentor that they came in under, right? Um, if they created those good habits right from the beginning, um, then I think it'll stick with them or, you know, unless they came in with someone that was just, Hey, we got all these clients coming in, just go, 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 go. Don't develop right. these habits. You know, then it's, it's hard to teach a, an old dog new tricks. Right. So as long as you start yeah. it from the beginning. Well, and, and it feels like doom and gloom. I'm telling you that if you're not a little scared, I don't care where you are. Like you should be a little nervous. This is mm-hmm. facts. Like if you're not nervous at all, like I'm good, it's fine then you're foolish right we should all understand and appreciate where what the where we are in the market we should we should be a little nervous we should have our habits in in be cutting expenses we should be focused on developing habits to be successful um and just recognize that this is an opportunity every market shift is an opportunity and i mean do you agree with that in general or is that hard for you to mentally get there no i understand completely i mean um, what you just said i mean when it comes to because we are our own business and you kind of have to dive into your own pnl a little bit just to make sure that you're tightening up everything that you can tighten up right um not every, we, we don't have that every every other friday paycheck right right so we have to make sure that we're spending where necessary that's right and just just recognize if you can make it through the next six to 12 months that's is the prediction right we've already entered it months ago whether you knew it or not right um but we're there if we can make it the next six to 12 months on average you're gonna you'll have a about a million less agents potentially could be at least a couple hundred thousand minimum mm-hmm. competing for obviously a, that the upside so when it rebounds you're going to have you're going to be on pace to get to that 6.5 to 7 million home sold range. And now you have half the number of agents, right? So the per home sold per successful agent ratio doubles. So if you can make it and now you've had the habits created, you're going to on average double the number, the volume that you've personally sold as an individual successful agent. Yeah. And that's, 
that's the reason you do it. That's the reason you have to stick through it is knowing that that's on the other side. Yeah. So quick question for you, Matt. I know that we talked, you've talked about a few times now, a couple hundred thousand you know, agents potentially leaving the, leaving the industry. Do you find a lot of agents also going part time and leaving more space for us on that end too? Like just people that keep their license, but just don't go as hard as the full time people. Yeah. And that's very common. It's a great question, but it's very, very common. And I call it the age of side hustle. Mm -hmm. So side hustles will start happening because your income is less, but God knows we don't want to cut back, right? I want all the things. I want the toys. I want to go out. I want to eat all the same stuff. Still got to pay for the boat. You need the boat. You got to fuel the boat, all the things, right? You don't want to change lifestyle. So what you do is you hustle. Mm -hmm. A side hustle, if you're actually serious about real estate, is the death of your business and Mm -hmm. you mind it like it's horrible. Like side hustle, you know, like when now you're hawking vitamin products on Instagram or whatever you're going to do, recognize that's the sign of death. Like you have, you have, you have veered off course. You're not listening to me on this podcast and you have not, you should be diving deeper into skills. And the reality is if you, if you learn, if you're hearing this now, uh, where we are in October, 2023, it's not the worst. So the cycle's typically are going it's going to get worse before it gets better of course and if you tighten up now and you pay attention and listen now you'll be fine it's the people that pretend oh this is a dip it's it'll be fine and you know it's just a little bit oh i don't have quite as many pendings or soul it'll you know listing you're you keep spending and that happens to people and so if you pay attention and do it now you can survive it um and one thing to note and it's a refresher for me it's not new but so you might have already been aware of this, but there's typically four cycles. And boy, I wish I had the tech right now to share it on a screen. But the cycles are one, two, three, four. The first cycle is is going to be going up. Mm-hmm. So just imagine, if you will, a line graph. It's going to up. It's it's going up gradually, but then it gets more steady, more steady, and it's going up. That's your first. Your second is right from the middle of it to the peak, to the very top. That's like as that curvature. Mm-hmm. And that is the good old times. The second is where you make all your money. Agents start pouring into the industry. Sales go skyrocket. That's when you get up to 7 million in terms of volume. Um, And then stage three is where we are right now. That's when we're starting to go down from the peak. We're at the top of the roller coaster, headed down, but we're not at the bottom. Right. And then right at the midway section is when you transition into four. And the fourth segment is where you head to the very bottom. And that is where dreams go to die. Right. But those that understand, and this has been taught to me by several people that are, I consider mentors. So this is not Matt Ryan's new thinking, right? So this Mm is, I'm recycling ideas that have been out there a long time. Um, You should be acting as if you are in the section ahead of you. So if you're in the best of times, number two, and everyone, all things are good, pretend like things are going to start declining. You start cutting, start being careful. You start not overspending. Right. And then in three, you act like you're at the very bottom, but you're still making money. There's still sales. It's not the worst of times, but you, you act like it is because when you hit the bottom on fourth, which is going to happen in the next six months, most likely that's your time. It's land grab. That's when all of your prospecting needs to be in high gear. That's when people are exiting the business. That's when people stop advertising, the billboards go down, the social media accounts. You won't see the, the fun, happy closings with champagne bottles on everyone's Instagram or Facebook, right? That's when you start marketing the hardest and you start spending the money that you didn't spend six months earlier. Right. Because once, you know, naturally progressing, when you get back to cycle one and things start picking up, you have way fewer agents to compete against. Everybody's aunt, uncle, cousin, and friend from church is not an agent. Mm 
because right. they gave it up, you're going to get so much more business. And that's the time where we all love right. one and two are the good times, the easy times. It's easy, but it's going to be a killer if you can do it. So I say all of this because my compliment to you is you act as if we are in the tough times all the time. Mm -hmm. And by saying that you have habits that even I don't have to the level you do. And that means you get in, you lead generate in the sense that you're following up and following up and following up and you're tracking it. And those are the skills that are going to get you through the toughest of times. And I think those are the skills people are going to have to adopt. Yeah. And so one of the things, like I'm going to share more about what I learned the other day, but I want to stop and pause and just double, double down, if you will, deep dive into what those habits look like. And so if you're listening to this and that's not a habit you have, what's the best version of what you've learned? You've had a few different mentors and a few different people. It's like you've kind of melded your own mix of what you what works for you. Mm -hmm. Explain what your rhythm feels like and what your goals are and how you think about this. Yeah. So, I mean... A lot of the stuff that was taught to me is stuff that's been in the industry for a long time, right? But something that I've noticed is, you know, every client is different. Every every person that you talk to has a has a different feel to them. Um, someone that you you know have been talking to real estate about, and they say, "Hey, Matt, you know, I want to buy from I want to buy in a year from now." A lot of times in the good times, what happens to that client? They get thrown away, right? That this person doesn't want to buy in a year. I got people now, 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 you know, and then you lose touch with them, and then when that you know eight nine months comes up, that person starts thinking about home buying again. They haven't heard from Matt Ryan in eight months, so they're not going right. to probably reach out. Um, so one good thing that I've tried to do is making sure to touch them once or twice a month, even just to say hello, you know, making up reasons um, to reach out to them just to keep my name fresh into their memory that I still care that I'm here to help, uh, which I genuinely do. Uh, but, you know, just driving through their neighborhood being, hey, I just drove by today. You know, I just thought of you guys um, or, hey, I saw a house come up that fit your needs. Can't wait for that time to come uh, so we can, you know, look at these houses together. Things like that. And so do you make one or two calls a day, five calls a day? Like what's a st standard? Um, so every, it, it, it depends, right? Uh, I try to at least knock at least 60 to 70 calls out. Uh, but there are days when I've done over 100, 150 calls. Yeah. And so it's in what I'm most impressed by is consistency. I think there are people that will do it occasionally. Mm -hmm. But doing it consistently over a period of years is how you build a sustainable business. Mm -hmm. And um if you stepped away for a year and have to do it again, it's like starting from scratch again. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I give you, I, I, you know, I just think that's uh, an incredible trait to have. And it does, how much does it cost to pick up the phone and call somebody? Nothing. It's nothing. nothing. And it's old fashioned. It's old school. So nowadays people can text. And if you don't have a platform that allows you to integrate these different touches, they're out there. I mean, we have one on our team that I think is pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, you can create smart plans. You can do some of this automated, but a lot of what you do is not automated. What you do is old school. You pick up the phone and call somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that I like to keep in mind as well, especially if, you know, this client says, you know, I'm not going to buy until 2025. Uh, in the back of my mind, I keep telling myself their, their next door neighbor might want to buy and sell. You know, one of their good friends might need some help. One of their brothers, sisters, grandparents, whatever might might need some assistance. So not only am I keeping in touch just for their needs, I'm hoping that, you know, they can refer me somebody. Right. Yeah. And and that will happen. Uh, the more you communicate, um, you're the person that that they know. And the reality is, if as soon as you stop the communication, which I can be guilty of, I get busy. And next thing you know, they'll forget about you. Mm -hmm. Right. Or they think you don't care. You know, you do. That's the perception. Right. And so it's just a communication. It's a contact sport, this oh, it game is. of real estate. Yeah. 
and it's for it's just that's the that's the the thread I want to put through this entire podcast is that's how simple it is, but it's hard um, to consistently be be doing that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard until you've just made the commitment to your to yourself and like in your own mind, being like like you said, we're our own business, right? So if we don't do this, we've basically taken a day off of work. Uh, and this is one of those industries that you absolutely get in what you or get out what you put in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's not like a desk job where you go in you have that every every two weeks paycheck. You know this is something that we have to commit to ourselves to making sure that we sustain our own future. Yeah, and and what it, it just it hits me over the head every time is that there isn't there's not a lot of new tricks to this, and there's a lot of tech, there's a lot of fancy gimmicks out there. There's a lot of people selling us as agents junk all mm-hmm. the time. And I've bought plenty of it, by the way. I'm just as guilty as the next. But the reality is it's like it's all a distraction from what we need to do. And everyone wants, for example, more leads, more leads. I need more Mm -hmm. leads. The reality is most of us have a lot of leads. We have thousands and thousands of leads, at least in our little team. And the reality is it's the communication with them, the consistency that majority of the time is not there like we don't still touch everyone you can't call everybody that we have it's impossible right so it's a reliance on everybody to do their part and um specifically your sphere and the people that trust you and know you the most or past clients um so and that's something that i it took me a long time to come to grips with uh everyone kept talking about your sphere of influence right you you need to touch them and and make sure that they know and check in on them um i was pretty much a secret agent for my first year and a year and a half uh, I didn't, you know, reach out to my sphere as much as I should. I thought I was bothering them. Um, but in actuality, I was, you know, now that I've done it and been doing it for consistent, you know, if someone says, hey, I need an agent or I'm thinking about doing this, let me let me, let me put you in front of uh, contact with my friend Scott. Right. You know, it's just, you know, it's something that I just keep telling them. You know, I have friends that are doctors and, you know, I know that they're doctors. And if I, you know, if someone sprains an ankle, I know I can refer them to this person. Um, and that's kind of what I'm just trying to make myself to my little sphere of influence. Yeah. And it's important. I did not ask anybody in my world to, I didn't ask for their business for years because I did the same thing. I was too nervous. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to bother them. Um, now they know if they're listening to this, I hit them up, right? It's a little bit different. I have a different mindset and I also am nervous. They're going to contact some, somebody else who doesn't care as much Mm -hmm. or isn't going to protect them or advocate for them the way I would. It's how I view it. Right. And so, um, if you don't do it, someone else will, That's right. Is the theory. And by the way, we, we are all up against billion dollar companies, us little agents. Yeah. And so if you don't think they're on Zillow or Redfin or all these other sites that are absolutely contacting them and bombarding them with touches throughout the year, they are. Oh yeah. And especially if it's a friend that's a first time home buyer, um, it's something that's new. It's intimidating. They might not want to come to you. Right. Um, you know what I mean? Because they, they might want to feel out and see, you know, ask these, you know, maybe stupid questions, no such thing as that, but you know, they might want to ask a stupid question to an agent that they don't know. Um, and you touching base with them and just, you know, showing them, Hey, you know, I've helped out all these first time home buyers before. And, um, this is something that I'm truly passionate about. They'll feel comfortable coming to you and keeping that door open. is a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so kind of shifting gears, I just wanted to pause for a moment to discuss that, but I want to also jump back on track to to the content that I wanted to share with you and everybody on here. So I'm going to jump back into the market. So if you're having to explain this market and what makes it unique, like I've heard how you describe it. I've described it. Like I've heard a million people describe it. And the way I just heard someone else describe it the other day is very interesting that we are in a very unique space in time and history in the United States. We are in a space that most economists didn't think could happen. 
we have simultaneously, currently, we are simultaneously experiencing low inventory and low buyer demand. And so, I guess put a different way, you're experiencing supply and demand that are both low. Like, I guess that's the best way to put it. Supply and demand are both low. So, normally, if you have really high supply, right, what does that infer? Um, Not as much people looking to purchase. Correct, but we have no supply. Right. And so it's it's we're just in this weird space that doesn't typically happen. So when as agents, right, that's the first thing. If you're at a cocktail party, you're at a bar, what do they say? How's the market? Mm -hmm. The most honest answer you should say is who the hell knows? <laughs> I couldn't tell you it doesn't happen like this. This right. isn't the way it's supposed to be. So the best way I think to describe this moment in time is that you have a lot of folks that are experiencing um, sub 4% mortgage rates. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I also learned is one of the largest undervalued or underappreciated asset classes in this country. And I say that because there is a value to a sub 4% mortgage to the average consumer, is there not? I mean, mm -hmm. that is, it's what, you know, if you have, you know, you need one extra bedroom, but you don't have to have it. Let's say you have one extra child, you get a bunk bed. Right. We're staying here. I have a 2.8% interest rate or 3%. I'm, we're staying. Like I'm not doubling my mortgage payment to get one extra bedroom or double the yard. I don't need it. Like right. I'm not. So it's worth a tremendous amount. And then as an, I mean, don't even get me started what investors are going to do. They're going to start assuming or transferring or subject to uh, the mortgages uh, in order to keep that asset with the property. I don't want to buy your house as an investor and you sell off your, you know, and pay off your 3% mortgage. And I take an 8% mortgage as an investor. Right. I, that's a tremendous hit to the potential value of that property. So you're going to start to hear and hopefully folks will get very comfortable with understanding what that what that can look like because that's an asset class that we can protect and get creative mm -hmm. in terms of keeping the financing options alive because other some people need to move, want to move, and they're not going to because they aren't, no one's helping educate them on what their options could be. Right. And I just thought that was really interesting to see that we're in a really bizarro time that you have supply and demand totally out of whack. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, how do you describe that? Because I know people ask you, I mean, do you try to get into the weeds? Or do you feel that most people don't really want to get in the weeds? They just want to know the very essence, two or three sentences. And Matt, I don't want a whole description of the economy. Yeah. So, I mean, right now, I just think a lot of people are backwards right now, just because during the pandemic, we were at record lows, right? And interest rates. Um, and they know someone that got those three, two and a half percent interest rates. Uh, so I think that a lot of people will just sell, you know, now's a bad time to buy because my neighbor or my best friend got a interest rate for three and a half percent, three percent. So they just think that, you know, I'm going to wait until that comes back. So a lot of people are backing off the market. So when they hear these 7%, seven percent, seven and a half percent interest rates, that's whoa, 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 that's not going to be the time for me. I'm going to wait till they get back down there. And that's just, you know, that's just something that they just need educated on. Yeah. And so what we know about now, remember, this is the normal world, not this weirdo, bizarre place we're in at the moment, but traditionally interest rates and pricing, they're not, they don't go in the same direction. Right. Right. So when interest rates are supposed to go up, what the pricing should be pressured downward. Mm -hmm. That's what you should have happened. And I guarantee you our Federal Reserve is not happy. They keep crushing our, you know, they keep raising it at historically high pace, mm -hmm. hoping to push down the pricing on homes. Right. And it hasn't happened. So they're very frustrated because what in the world can we do? We've raised it like crazy people, and yet pricing has stayed. And I don't. In some places, it's increased, but in others, it's just been stable. 
And that's the main lever that they want to do. And so it leads me to discuss, right, affordability. So what most people are like that they're not really using the right terms that we all talk about interest rates, but what we're really talking about is affordability, right? Payments. So they want to say, okay, well, I'm paying, I don't know, 1800 in rent. What do most people say when they want to buy a house? They go, oh, can I have a house with a payment of right. 1800 I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm used to that. And so what they're seeing is, oh my God, they get a house with a mortgage. It's now 2600 or whatever. It's just, it's now dramatically increased, like for first time home buyers. Right. And um, so affordability is a main index to think about. And there's three parts to this. And this is referenced, um, you know, a million times over, but it's something we as agents need to be able to articulate. And so there's three parts to affordability, right? And it's related to the house price itself, the interest rate on a mortgage, as well as the income of the, the populace. So those are the three levers. And so when the Federal Reserve is considering affordability, and there's indexes for this, this is just a simple way to, to think about it, is that they're going to look and say, okay, if home prices are continuing to be stable and or raise, um, and income levels of Americans continue to be stable and or raising, the other issue, like they're going to raise interest rates to lower one of those levers. You got to have one of those levers to go down. Right. Something's and so give. something's got to give. And so are people like what's most likely to happen first in order for people to have better affordability? One of those goes down. Our home price is going to go down. Our interest rates going to go down or are the average folks like their income level going to go down? One of those has to happen. Right. Because we need affordability to improve. And right now at this exact moment, it's the, it is a rough time for affordability. It's the worst time in America, not worst ever, but it's worst, I think in 20 to 25 years, it's the lowest point of affordability. Yeah. And that's the pressure you and I feel is people are referring to, God, look at that payment. They get excited to buy until they see the affordability factor. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and even in the last few months, I've had a few people that have been searching, you know, go back, run the numbers and see, man, my. You know, the payments are just a little bit too high for this now. I need to go a little bit less or yeah. hold off for a little. Yeah. And so what you need to also remember during this conversation is that Americans on average, I think I think the statistic, and don't shoot me if I'm wrong on this, but it's very close to this. It's about half of Americans, 50% of Americans have 50% equity in their homes. Wow. That's an insane number to think about. Mm-hmm. And the New York Times released this yesterday. I get a little bing every time they have a story. It's really annoying. But this one was good. Um, I think there's a 38% increase in a three-year time horizon during the COVID years for the average American. Now, granted, it's top heavy Mm -hmm. because the folks with assets are the top 10, 20%. They get the highest increase. You know, they have the lion's share of that growth. But every demographic across the country, even the lowest 10%, saw a substantial increase in their net worth. And it's because, yes, government handouts, we printed a ton of money. But everybody's stock portfolio has been stable and rising. Everybody's who owns a home has seen the benefit of appreciation. And so people are living really well right now. Mm-hmm. And so we're at a really, really high time. That's that third piece of the puzzle in terms of affordability. That's income. People are doing really well in terms of income. And so if I don't think the Federal Reserve is going to lower interest rates yet because they have to keep it high to give to force down pricing. Right. And they are going to hold it until pricing gives. And they're going to play chicken, potentially with the entire economy, to see if that happens. Mm-hmm. And no one has a crystal ball. Who knows? Because I've heard people try to argue the exact opposite. And they're very educated, much more so than myself, that describe that they're going to basically, if the economy tanks a little bit, 
that'll hurt, you know, in jobs, we have double or triple the amount of job loss than we currently experience. That'll be enough to pressure um, pricing to go down. Yeah. And that'll increase affordability. Um, so I don't need to know. I don't know what your, what did your experience, what do you hear from clients? Like this is, these are some of the weeds, like getting into the weeds. Not every client wants to hear all of this. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot to, to take in all at once. And a lot of times when you're talking to clients, um, you know, with, with affordability and things like that, um, going out and actually seeing houses that it's in their wheelhouse to see if it's something that they're comfortable with, you know, walking through it and telling them, you know, building that equity instead of spending and paying someone else's mortgages is, is really where it's at. So, I mean, just a lot of the times it's just educating them and getting them through um, to making that first time purchase. Because I mean, you and I can both agree that, you know, even, even today buying is, is a lot better than renting. Um, so just helping them get to that point of getting that first. Can you say on. that again? Because I don't think everyone understands that fact. That what that buying is better than renting. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's investing in your own future, right? Um, so, and it's just you know leading up to it and just getting those people to realize that themselves, and then you know moving forward with it, even if it's you know just to, making sure that they know it's a starter home. You know, if the interest rates do come down in six to twelve months, then we can we can refinance. We, we there's other ways around this. You know, as you just said, there's low inventory. However, there are low buyers right now. Um, twelve months ago, every home had fifteen to sixteen offers. That's on exactly it. right. So right now we're going into it. Sellers are, you know, prices are stabilizing a little bit. Uh, houses are staying on the market a little bit longer. And you know, listing agents are having to call people and do a little bit of work. Sometimes we can get inspections again. Oh, my right? gosh. Imagine that. We can we can have maybe a couple more days to think about it mm -hmm. as opposed to making a decision sight unseen right. as is. It, it was crazy. Right. Going in, you know, in House and Timonium House, we're going within 12 hours. Yes. Uh, so you had to, as soon as a house, you know, came, is coming soon. You had to go, 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 you know, and yep. we've, I actually wrote a few offers sight unseen. So, right. Well, and just the, that, in that goes back to the number of homes sold in this country. It never goes to zero, right? The rates can continue to go up and go to double digits. They're not going to zero. You're going to have an average floor of over 4 million units sold. So the good news for us is we will still have the ability to buy and sell homes. Right. There is needs. People get divorced, get married, death, uh, things happen. You know, you have children, things happen, Right. So you're going to always have a baseline need. Mm -hmm. And then there's just another couple million, two million plus in the best of times. Right. And so just remember that we will still have jobs. People will still have real estate and that the best time to buy a home in general, if there's a need and there's two things, you have to have a need to buy real estate as well as a time horizon longer than the next two years. Right. You need a longer time horizon as well as the desire, like you need to live somewhere. Right. So if those two things exist, it's a good time to buy with the ability to refinance. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause that's the truth. Cause rates, it's not a matter of will they ever come back down? The answer is yes. Right. It's a matter of when. Right. So I, I just, it's just a, it's reminding people that it's pretty much always a good time to buy if those factors are true for you. Yeah. And that, like something that I told people, I, I still tell people actually is, you know, in the last year and a half, did you write any offers over listing price? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, some houses we were going fifty, sixty thousand dollars over list, right, to get these houses, um, and then it was time to refinance. Do they get that money back? They don't. You know, right now there's not as many people on houses aren't going for as high. Uh, so when they refinance, you know, they'll get some money. So, well, let's think about it. And we've kind of we script practice together, so uh, this is some of the scripting around it, but it's the reality, right? So, well, let let me wait another year. Maybe in a year rates will be down two percent lower. Can I just wait? Right. That makes more sense, right? Yeah. My mom told me to wait. Yeah. Get that a lot. Yeah. But 
I was trying to get script practice there, but he didn't get the he didn't get what I was picking up. Or, oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I didn't know that we were going into script practicing. It's like old school, it's like back in the office. <laughs> um, so, what do you tell folks that say I'm going to wait a year because um, I think rates are going to go down? That's what my grandfather told me. Or the guy on the talking box over there said. So I'm going to wait a year. So, so if you wait a year and interest rates do come down, say say that you're right. Um, other people are going to join the market as well. Once once in when, once. Once uh, rates come down, more people are going to flood back into the market. You're not the only person that's waiting for a year. Uh, however, you know, you want to, interest rates could go up. You know what I mean? So you could be waiting a year and then interest rates go to 9%. We don't know. No one has, no one has a crystal ball. So if you buy now 7.5% and a year from now 9%, you look like a genius. Uh, however, if you go 7% seven now, 5% comes around, 15 other people have the same offer on a house that you want, you might not get it or else you're going to be overpaying for that home. Yeah. And so at a fairness, like that is very well done, Scott, but at a fairness, if someone says I'm perfectly comfortable in my current house, no big life events have happened. I own it. I have a two and a half percent interest rate. They're in the school district. My kids need to be in. I don't know. I kind of like a house maybe with a pool in the back. I'm not sure. Um, Scott, should I buy today? I mean, if it's something that you're considering, I mean, yes. I mean, today it, it's a great time to buy. Um, just because, like, like I said, there's just not that many people in the market right now. So if, you, if you're truly looking to interest, like to interested in purchasing, now's, now's a great time to, to start poking around a little bit. Yeah. And so the answer is kind of what you said. It's like in the middle. So the answer is never a hard no. And I don't think it's ever a hard yes uh, right. for the most part. And the reality is I don't think if there's, if there's not enough proper motivation, the answer will be no in this market. That's mm -hmm. the facts. Yeah. That's why millions of people won't buy homes this year that would have in the best of times. Right. So I think that those people that just want a, I don't know, slightly better yard or slightly nicer house, they're going to be sitting tight. Oh yeah. I mean, if most people aren't thinking about, if, if they're in those, in those positions, they're not going to be thinking about it. A pool isn't enough push to get them into it. I mean, if it was something that's going to change their life and so like, you know, like one of the big D's that you just said, like death, yeah. divorce, something like that, something that forces them into it. That's when they're going to, if they have a little bit of motivation with one of those, yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna get back into the market. Yeah, so it's just a really weird time for all of us. Like, so these are some of the script practicing we've done. I hopefully everyone, if you're an agent, and you're listening to this, you are reading, you're understanding the market because the consumers typically don't, and if they do, they're listening to the most politicized, crazy news you've ever seen online. That are usually it's either doomsday or mm -hmm. it's something that's so. I mean, they want ratings, right? Right. So it's usually so over the top that they're not getting facts. And real estate is exceptionally localized. And I know our market. You know our market here in Maryland. I'm not going to tell people to buy or sell in Vegas or in Florida right. or any of these other places that they might live or work or want a second home. I'm not educated in those areas. It's localized. Right. And if I wanted to buy in those markets, guess what I'd do? I'd call someone that eats and sleeps and breathes that market. And that's, isn't that what you do? I mean, that's the oh, reality. Of I mean, I just had a friend that wanted to sell their place in Ocean City, Maryland. Um, I've been there a couple of times, but I'm not, I'm no expert down there. I, I would have done them no yeah. justice. Uh, but what I did is exactly what you said. I got in the horn and found someone down there that, you know, lives, eats, sleeps real estate and they were able to help them. So, yeah. So, you know, trying to put a bow on this for the agents listening to this, I, you should be a little scared, a little nervous, right? You should be aware. You should be sitting up straight in this market. If you are the same laid back approach that worked in the last several years. I mean, we were in such a prolonged cycle too. remember the top mm -hmm. of the top. We've been prolonged in that cycle for so long. It's created a ton of bad habits. 
a lot of agents that quite frankly are not going to be here in a year or two. And the reality is you need to be aware and educate yourself, get your skills up and the habits up. And those that do that, that's the good times are coming. Yeah. Honing your skills right now is one of the best things you can do. Yep. Uh, taking that little bit of downtime that you might have and script practicing with someone that's not in your norm. Um, sometimes one of my good friends is an agent also in uh, New Jersey. Uh, we get on the get on the phone every now and again, just do some script practicing. It's just interesting to hear their take on it from a different market, right? They might have a little bit of different shifts going on, so it's just interesting to hear how they're how they're handling it as well. Yeah, and I think as a newer agent, I hated the word script practicing. Right, that sounds so inauthentic. It sound it just sounds horrible. I didn't like the idea of it, but the reality is, professionals practice. That's the difference between amateurs and professionals. Mm -hmm. And so you practice these conversations because people have the same handful of concerns right. consistently. And so you need to be the expert because they're relying on you, not just for information, which you better have, but you better have the skills to articulate it in such a way that that makes them comfortable. Mm -hmm. And you better be honest. Like what I look for and what I hope you look for is a longevity. It's the long-term client. I will never short-term put them in a wrong situation and make a, right. a bad recommendation because of a paycheck, so to speak, in a week. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense long-term. I'm gonna make out as a business person much better by being authentic and truthful and looking out right. for them and caring for them. And this is crazy times and it's going to get worse. Oh yeah. Like we're still a little upbeat because the good times weren't that long ago in three to six months, you know, we'll probably have a bottle of Jack here with us and <laughs> we will kumbaya and all the yeah. horrible things uh, that might happen. But um, at least we're aware of it. We're having a conversation. Um, I'm so grateful you joined me to have this conversation with, and I hope some of this is of value and recognize that I didn't create any of this. This is not Matt Ryan's personal ideas. This is really a combination of everything I've listened to and heard of from sources that I trust. And um, I believe it to be true based based on everything that I know to be true. Yeah. So that basically wraps it up unless he could think of anything else to add to the mix. No. No, just, we've said it all. We've done just, all the things. Just got to get back to making phone calls. That's it. We'll get right back to the calls. If your phone rings in the next 30 minutes, you know Scott's on it. So that's it. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining me, and I'll see you on the next episode.